0: Everyone. We are Rena and Dara, and welcome to Fertility Ford. We are part of the wellness team at RMA of New York, a fertility clinic affiliated with Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Our Fertility Ford podcast brings together advice for medical professionals, mental health specialists, wellness experts, and patients, because knowledge is power, and you are your own best advocate. Amy Schweitzer grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and went to the University of Kansas for college. She currently lives in Dallas, where she met her husband. They found out early on it was going to be hard to conceive and had to do IVF to grow their family. Right before they started IVF, they went through additional genetic testing because of Amy's family history. In early 2017, she found out she was BRCA1 positive, which was going to affect her life and her future children's lives. Since they had to go through IVF, it was a blessing in disguise that they could prevent any future child with carrying the BRCA gene. After a long journey of infertility, she gave birth to her miracle baby girl, Meadow, who was BRCA-free in 2018. In this episode, we talk with Amy about her journey to conceive after she found out she was a carrier for BRCA, life with BRCA, who should get tested, how to go about getting tested, and how Amy found her strength and resilience during her journey. I am so excited to welcome today to Fertility Forward a personal friend of mine, Amy Switzer. Thank you so much for coming on today, Amy. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So Amy and I met a few years ago. I don't want to think about how many because I will feel old in Uh New York City when we were both volunteering for the same organization. And Amy now lives in Dallas and she reached out to me a few years ago when she was trying to conceive. And I'm pretty public about my own story. And I think, Amy, that's how you knew that I was involved in this, right?
1: Yes. When you kind of put it out in social media, it was a great opportunity for me to reach out to you because I didn't know many people going through this personally. So that's when we reconnected.
0: So, and I was so, I remember it's so thrilled to see your name in my inbox. And that was one of the, you know, really big silver linings for me for opening up and sharing my story is that people kind of came out of the woodwork to say, Hey, thank you so much for sharing. I'm going through this too. Let me share my story with you. Will you talk? And so it was, you know, a very powerful connection to really sort of bring people together. Yes. Yes. Definitely. You know, you're so brave to come on and share your story. And I'd love for you to tell our listeners kind of what you went through. I know it will help so many people and and inform so many people. I you know, didn't know a lot about what you went through either. And it made me really question, should I go get tested? What can I do for myself? So I'd love for you to share with people your own journey.
1: So when my husband and I wanted to start conceive and start a family, we were having some trouble. So we found out pretty quickly that... I had diminished ovarian reserve, and it was not really going to happen for me naturally to have a child. And then how old were you at the time? I was 33.
0: Okay. So you're fairly young.
1: Yes, fairly young. Basically, they said that I was referred right away to a fertility specialist, and she said, you know we need to go straight to IVF your numbers are so low this is just the reality of it if you want to have a child so hearing that news was very shocking and processing it and you know is this going to work am i going to able to have a child so before we started IVF we actually started to get some testing done we decided to do the BRCA test before I started IVF because there was ovarian cancer that ran in my family. My grandmother, who passed away in her early 40s from ovarian cancer, and my family always knew about BRCA, and I feel like it's really come out in the past like five, 10 years of the history of it and how important it is for your family to get tested. And my family's just kind of been like dragging their feet. Should we get tested? Do we really know much more about it? You know, it just was so new. So I actually pulled the trigger and got tested. And sure enough, I was positive for BRCA. How did you feel Um, when you
0: found that out?
1: So I found that out in January of 2017. So it was only two years ago. And it was just kind of earth shattering. I didn't really know how that was going to affect me. It was you know, a lot to hear that news that I was at such high risk of breast and ovarian cancer. I already knew that my grandmother had passed away in her early 40s, and I was not too far off from that. And then dealing with that news, and then dealing with having to go into IVF, and if I'm going to be able to have a child. So when I found out I was positive that it was almost the greatest blessing for me going into IVF beforehand. They basically explained to us that knowing that I have this mutation, a probe can be built to my specific gene sequence, that they can test the embryos to see if they carry my BRCA gene
0: or if they do not. Okay. And you're talking about PGD testing, correct? Correct. Yes.
1: And BRCA can be passed on. It's a 50-50 chance. It can be passed on to a girl or boy. It does not matter. So it was a true blessing that I found out before I started. So I went through three rounds of IVF until I got one embryo without BRCA. So not only was I dealing with very low numbers to even get any embryos, but they kept on coming back with the BRCA gene.
0: Wow. So you did three retrieval cycles to try and find an embryo without BRCA. Yes. That's so much.
1: Yeah, it is a lot, but it was very important. I knew I had this power. I had this like amazing tool that I could do. That I could bring a child into this world to start off and not live a high risk. They could just start their life as anyone else of living, you know, not in high risk of ovarian or breast, And it was the greatest thing I could ever give a child. Wow! Yeah, the power so, is so incredible. It was amazing. I mean, there's so much as a parent you cannot control for a child. And to be able to control that one simple thing, it's just earth changing. It's just amazing. So we got the one embryo that did not have BRCA. And we transferred and it was successful. And now I have my beautiful baby girl who is BRCA free. And it's just amazing.
0: Well, I mean, that gave me the chills for sure. And I, you know, remember finding out you were pregnant and being so happy for you. And, but I feel like also to maybe go back and share with the listeners too, how tough that time was also, you know, to keep doing cycle after cycle, looking for an embryo, also dealing with, I mean, how did you deal also with knowing that you were a carrier? How did that play into everything you were going through?
1: It was almost put on the sidelines for me personally when I was going through it because it was so much I was dealing with at one time. I almost wasn't even thinking about myself. I was thinking about what was my future of a child, which, you know, it was kind of, I had to think about myself too. But the priority for me was the child. So I knew my plan was gonna be that I was gonna have to start screenings right away which includes your transvaginal ultrasounds every six months and then doing your breast, which is every six months alternating from mammogram or MRI. So I knew that was...
0: For the foreseeable future, that's what you do to screen if you're a carrier?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you do regularly. Also, you can do a blood test, which is a CA-125 for ovarian, But the problem with ovarian cancer is that it's so hard to detect. That's why they call it the silent killer, that the ultrasounds, the blood tests, they're very hard to see anything. And sometimes when you do see something, it's too late. So ovarian cancer is the hardest thing to detect. So I do screenings now every six months. That's just going to be a part of my life. The other thing is that you can do preventative surgeries, which is do a mastectomy, and then also an oophorectomy or hysterectomy. And I will do that.
0: Can you tell our listeners what each of those are, each of those surgeries?
1: So your mastectomy is removal of your breast.
0: You can, you know,
1: restrict them to have implants or you cannot. You can reconstruct them to take tissue from your body and other parts to create, I guess, new type of breasts. But the whole point is a mastectomy is that they are removing your breast tissues. So your breast tissue and your high risk of BRCA, that's where they're going to be finding the breast cancer. So many BRCA positive patients, they move forward with their mastectomy to lower their risk. And their risk gets lowered all the way down to less than 5%. Wow.
0: And what's the percent before? The percent
1: before is, oh God, it changes all the time from dis- different statistics, but it's it's anywhere from like 70 to 80%.
0: Wow. So that's I a mean, huge decrease.
1: I mean, it's huge. There's quite a range of it. And then your oophorectomy, you can have removal of your ovaries and fallopian tubes. And then your hysterectomy, that's removing your uterus. So, you know, there's pros and cons of both. Both ways, you go directly into menopause and you'll be put on hormone therapy and you'll have to be on that. A lot of women are on it for the rest of their life. It's some type of oral medication to balance out your hormones. An oophorectomy is not as a extreme surgery as a hysterectomy, but some women choose just to do the oophorectomy. They don't feel the need to do the full hysterectomy and removing of the uterus because really the history has shown that it's just the ovaries and fallopian tubes, they're at the most risk when you're BRCA positive, but some people have different opinions about it. My plan right now is that I would probably do just the oophorectomy.
0: And now if you do that, would you still be able to carry a child or would you need to finish your childbearing first and then do those surgeries?
1: So there's a couple options. So if you have just an oophorectomy and you still have your uterus, you can still carry a child. You can transfer your embryo to your uterus, but you would need your embryo created before you had your oophorectomy.
0: So you would need to do the egg retrieval cycle first and create embryos before. Correct. And then you could still carry a child. And then what about with a hysterectomy?
1: Hysterectomy, you can't because you're removing your uterus and obviously you need a
0: uterus to carry a child. So for that, you would need to be done with your childbearing and say, okay, I've, you know, carried my children. I'm done with that phase and then move forward with that. Right. So these are obviously, I mean, huge considerations and, you know, very serious ramifications. And it's a lot to really process.
1: Yes, it is. It's definitely a lot to process. I think the only way to really handle it is one step at a time. Do your screenings, do what you need to do as far as growing your family and what you can do and what the power you have is, you know, I was able to stop the gene for my family like my daughter will not pass it on unless you know thinking in the foreseeable future if whoever she married if for some reason that they had BRCA but the most thing I could ever do right now is stop it for her which I did so that's really all I could do at this time so right now I'm just it's step by step you have just take it day by day
0: I think that's amazing advice. You know, one thing at a time, step by step. I like to call it micro planning, where if the macro is just too big, you dial it back one day at a time, one thing at a time, and you manage what you can.
1: Right. Absolutely. What? Sometimes it's just so overwhelming when it's you realize you have so much to deal with.
0: Oh, Sure. Sure. And how did you get through this time? I mean, did you have a good support system? Did you have a therapist? What were kind of your supports and coping mechanisms?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, my husband was unbelievable. Like I definitely could not have gone through it if I didn't have a supportive partner. He literally was at every single doctor's appointments, ultrasound scanning. I mean, things you wouldn't like blood work. You wouldn't even need someone to come, but just physically, mentally being there was he was there. So that was huge for me. My family, huge supporters. I mean, just so by my sides, every step of the way, a lot of my friends, I mean, some of my close friends knew, but a lot of my kind of, I guess, bigger network didn't really necessarily know. I kind of wanted to keep it private. I kind of felt like if everyone knew, everyone would be asking me, how's it going? How's it going? I just, I wanted to live as I had to go through so many retrievals and it wasn't going well. I didn't feel like I wanted someone to keep saying, how's it going? How's it going? So I was not a support group. There was like a local support group through Resolve, and that was great. I was able to connect with women who were going through fertility issues. There wasn't anyone in the group that was going through my specific issue with BRCA. I never went to therapy. I just... That wasn't really my thing. I had such a great support system already around me
0: from... Family and
1: friends, so that's just kind of how I got through everything.
0: Uh, it sounds, you know, like you had great supports, and you know, you really advocated for yourself, and you found the balance for you. You know, sharing with a certain group of people, going to a support group, and that really helped.
1: Yeah.
0: And did you find you were able to connect with other women going through infertility, even though they didn't have your specific case?
1: I did. I felt like it was almost like this little secret society that no one wanted to
0: be in. (laughs) That's (laughs) what I always say. The sorority you never wanted to join. No,
1: you just, you don't want to be in, but you're glad you found each other. Because, look, would I probably have been with friends with these people otherwise? Probably not. But it was a way for a stranger to me to feel so close. Like, they could actually understand what I was going through, because they are going through it themselves. And I really think it's not just through infertility, it's through anything. If anyone has not truly walked a mile in their shoes, they don't understand what that person is going through.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the whole experience made me think, wow, how did I you know, respond when someone told me that they were dealing with you know, any other disease, I probably responded in a way that was not helpful to them. Just knowing how I felt and people responded, you know, who had it been through my experience of infertility. Right. And it's I think, true.
1: It really, it helps you kind of be more empathetic to people of different issues and different things that people are dealing with in life. I mean, everyone has their struggles. It's just their different story of what their life is. And, you know, it's when you're going through something yourself, you kind of learn of how to deal with other people's struggles too.
0: Right. And I think, you know, I say, look, everyone's experience is their own. And to some people, you know, what we look at and think is not a big deal to them. It's the end of the world. And who are we to judge? And, you know, kindness, empathy, life is hard, you know, and it's, you know, better spent, I think, being kind.
1: Absolutely.
0: So what other, you know, pointers or tips do you have for anyone listening who's going through something similar?
1: I would say definitely be your own advocate. You know, going through infertility is so overwhelming, so challenging. And it's just a lot to handle, like with the meds, with understanding everything and all the different steps and things that go wrong, even though you have a plan. I just think that no matter what, even though you might be in your the best hands, the best doctor, the best nurse, you have to be your own advocate, study it, learn it, research it, talk to other people, try to find a different way if it's not working, because if you're not going to do it, no one else is going to do it for you.
0: I love that. I mean, I think knowledge is power. And, and you know, as you said, right, you're your own best advocate. And don't be afraid to ask questions, research and learn. Yep, absolutely. And what about anyone listening that's wondering, okay, now, you know, I'm thinking that my grandmother had breast or ovarian cancer. Now I'm wondering if I'm a BRCA carrier, what should they do to find out?
1: I think it's really important. There's two things. One is ask yourself, is there any type of cancer, mostly breast, ovarian, prostate, pancreatic? Are those cancers history in your family? talking back to your grandparents? And secondly, are you Ashkenazi Jewish? If the answer is yes to both, then that's really when you need to say, okay, it's time to call my doctor. It's time to call my OBGYN or my regular physician and say, I want to talk about getting BRCA tested. BRCA is very prevalent in Ashkenazi Jews. So that's something really to consider to doing. Bracket test is just a blood test. It's nothing extreme. You know, you will go to a genetic counselor. They'll refer you to one so they can go over your results with you and talk about the plan for you and, you know, what is going to be next for you. The best thing is to really answer those first questions. Is there cancer in my family history? And two, am I Ashkenazi Jewish? And if the answer is yes to both, it's time to call your doctor.
0: Okay. And even if you are, say, a really conservative, you know, anxious person, and you don't answer yes to those questions, your doctor can still test you, correct?
1: They can test you, but it most likely will not be covered by insurance. It's only really covered by insurance if you do have the history and if you are Ashkenazi Jewish. And there is a specific form that you will have to you know, fill out your family history of cancers and mark the box that says Ashkenazi Jewish. But if you just feel like I need to know about this and I'm very anxious, yes, you can talk to your doctor about it, but it most likely will not be covered. And it is a very pricey test.
0: Okay. And now, you know, I know you welcomed your daughter 16 months ago, and what does your kind of future look like for you in terms of Braqa and family building? And where you're gonna go.
1: So we would love to have, you know, another child. I mean, we are so blessed with our daughter. We have gone through recently another two rounds of IVF. I am a little bit older. It's been two years since the last time I went through my cycle. So things have changed a little bit for me. I have not made any embryos. So Right now, I'm kind of in a different boat as far as just finding an embryo without BRCA. Now I'm at the point that I need to just get an embryo made. So currently, I'm just taking about a few months off of taking care of my body, of trying to maybe increase the quality of my egg. I, you know, doing acupuncture, I'm changing my diet. I'm taking numerous amounts of supplements and I'm hoping that helps the quality of my egg and we'll try again. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll have to move forward with my surgeries and I'll just live with my blessed daughter. Wow. So kind of the plan.
0: Wow. So it sounds like you know you're so brave and so inspiring and you know to move forward and try again, but also it sounds like you're very grateful to be in your moment with your daughter and have that too.
1: Yes, I am very blessed. I mean, I know there's so many families that I are still struggling just to have one child. So I know how blessed I am, but I do really would like to have another child. But if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards for me. I can't control, you know, this type of destiny. I can only do what I can do.
0: I mean, I think it takes a lot to come to that mindset. And I think, you know, it's so hard and something people struggle with all the time. You know, how do you accept what you have in our destiny? And, you know, fertility is, it's just so tough. It's really, really tough.
1: It is tough. I mean, it's something that, you know, you just can't control it. Like it's hard when you like, you can't go out and buy it at the store. You can't, you know, something when it's with your health, you know, that's also with cancer patients, you can't control
0: it. You just, you can't, it's just
1: really hard to deal with things that you can't physically change.
0: Sure. And I think, you know, you can do everything medically possible. You know, you can go and you can try and do more retrievals, try and create more embryos, but there's still no guarantees. And I think that's really hard to wrap our heads around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely no guarantees, which you all know there's no guarantees in life with anything.
0: No. And I think, you know, it goes back to just try and, you know, be present, be grateful, practice gratitude and really, you know, find people to uplift you and be positive. Yes, definitely. It's
1: all about who you surround yourself with and what your support system is. And that's just, it's truly really important of how we can move forward.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm so grateful for you for sharing your story coming on. I think this will certainly touch so many people. And I like to, you know, end our podcast with having you share a gratitude so we can end it on a positive note. So is there something, you know, gratitude that you're able to share with our listeners today? I'm just
1: thankful for my health and thankful for my family and my beautiful daughter that you know, I just live for her. She just has given me so much joy. So I hope so many other families that are struggling can see that there is light at the end of the tunnel and stay hopeful.
0: I love that. And I think, you know, my gratitude is, you know, people like you coming on, you know, reaching out, you know, those few years ago saying, Hey, you know, I'm struggling. Can we talk you know, being brave to share your story, going through it. And I think you're so inspiring, you know, to be positive and talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I hope your story will inspire and lift up other people's and inform them too.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I think, I mean, as hard as it is to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, I now have a duty almost because I have to talk about it. I need to educate people and let them know that knowledge is power.
0: Totally. Is there a site or some place to direct people if they want to learn more about BRCA?
1: There's so many different websites. Bright Pink is a great website. American Cancer Society, you know, there's so much information on there. There's so much about BRCA right now on the website. There's just a lot out there.
0: Okay. And we'll certainly post links to those on our page also, so people can go get reputable information. Great. Thank you so much for being on today. We so appreciate it and for sharing your story and being so brave and and sharing all this with our listeners. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening today. And always remember, practice gratitude, give a little love to someone else and yourself. And remember, you are not alone. Find us on Instagram at fertility underscore forward. And if you're looking for more support, visit us at www.rmany.com and tune in next week for more Fertility Forward.